Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. God can use one person. We're going to look at one of those people he called today. We're going to look at his first encounter with Christ. Before we do that, I want to tell you about another guy that when I was uh, first became a Christian, I read this book that this man here wrote, and he was a prisoner in a Marxist, and I say that word Marxist, communist prison. Just I just just throw that out there as a side note to just... Do your, I mean, let's do our research, call it it, it is what it is. And they wanted to destroy this man and torture him because he believed in Jesus Christ. Now, he was not looking to take over Russia, he was not looking to do that. He simply wanted to practice his faith, he wanted to love Jesus and love other people, he wanted to serve people and help people, but he wasn't educated with the knowledge that they felt like he needed. So they wanted to re-educate him through torture. And and he he got out. And he started that ministry over there. He was part of it. It's, you know, about people who are persecuted for the gospel, and they have a publication called The Voice of the Martyr. And you can go on uh, the Internet and find that because there are many people throughout the world that are tortured for Christ. Just recently in uh, Turkey, one of the cathedrals was taken over by Muslims, and you know they run out the Christians, kill the Christians, and they set up a mosque. And, and these are not Christians trying to force Muslims to believe, not trying to take over the government. These are simply believers in Jesus Christ who want to follow and obey Christ. Let me give you a little church history. When Jesus set up his kingdom, and he died on the cross and rose from the dead, his followers were persecuted mainly by the Jewish religious leaders. And the Jewish religious leaders went through Rome to do that. Now the Romans started persecuting Christians mainly because there was conflict between the Jews and the Christians, and they didn't want anyone to say that Caesar was not God. So the Romans persecuted uh, Christians. It was a Roman that uh, executed Peter and Paul. And back in the first century, believers were persecuted intensely. So Christians started to argue not that they would be in charge of the government, Not that they would run the land. Not that they would set up rules and make people go to church. But the Christians argued, simply allow us to practice our faith. Allow us not to be forced to be polytheistic. Not to be forced to worship goddesses and gods and and do all these things that our conscience does not want us to do. Let us just simply worship Jesus and love one another. And this persecution continued, but you know what happens? 
when people are being killed for their faith, like Polycarp and different people, when they put Polycarp to death, he says, all these years have I served Christ. And now you're asking me, because they said, simply renounce Christ and we'll let you go. He said, I have served Christ for all of these years and I'm not going to do it. So they set him on fire and they burned him to death as he sung out and praised God. But what happened was, is young people being tired of the complacency and the hypocrisy of the culture looked at these fearless Christians, these fearless Christians who loved Jesus so much that they were willing to die for their faith, and they were inspired, and they became Christians one by one. People in prison got saved. Romans got saved. And about 300 years later, in around 300, I think 330 A.D., roughly around that time, there was a huge shift, and the leader of Rome became a Christian. He had a dream, and in his dream, he saw uh, just a vision of the cross, and and the Roman government began to be uh, influenced by Christianity, and persecution stopped. For a season. And then when we see persecution again, it's the organized church, the Roman Catholic Church, persecuting those who wanted to follow the Bible and not the Pope. So persecution came on a religious nature. And it comes and it goes and it's kind of geographical by location. And we know there are people who came to America to avoid persecution. So when religion becomes powerful and it's removed from Jesus, often, unfortunately, folks, because we have church history to deal with, the church itself, even though it's not the true church, but the institution of Christianity might persecute other Christians. So here we are today in 2020. And there are many possibilities. We don't know the future. God is in control. There is the challenge that an aggressive Marxist government can continue to persecute people. There's the challenge that an Islamic government can persecute people. And there's also the challenge that religious pseudo-Christianity organizations can persecute Christians in saying that you're doing this and you're doing that all to keep men and women from loving Jesus and following him. And so when we look at the text today, we're going to read the story of persecutor number one. I mean, Christian persecutor number one. And who is that? Paul. Saul of Tarsus. His Hebrew name is Saul. His Greek name is Paul. So in the beginning, when Acts introduces us to Saul, they're going to refer to him as Saul as he begins to reach out to the non-Jewish communities, he's going to use his name Paul. So it's just like I'm Marco in Spanish, I'm Mark in English. So that's kind of the way this works. Paul is Greek, Saul is Hebrew. It's not, you know, there's nowhere where it says God changed Saul's name to Paul. Not like Abraham, you know, and not like uh, Peter, uh, Simon being called Peter. You know, this is simply the difference between uh, the language. So how does the church respond to persecution? 
That's our question, because persecution can be defined as opposition, indifference, because not every form of persecution is physical violence. You know, you might be opposed. Your ideas might be opposed. You might put something on Facebook and it gets blocked or something. That's not really persecution like somebody putting a gun to your head and saying renounce Christ, but still it's a form of aggression where people are not allowing you to simply express your love for Christ and your desire to follow and obey Jesus. So it says that Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. The high priest is the um, the high priest over um, Israel, the one who would offer the sacrifices in the uh, temple. And he asked for letters from him, from the high priest, to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that would be the Christian faith, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And that was this uh, religious center of uh, Judaism. And as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? When you and I recognize that Jesus is the Lord, and we surrender to the Lordship of Christ, that is when we become a follower of Jesus Christ. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. And in many ways, our salvation is very individual. When Christ calls us, we hear his voice. The night that I received Christ, many people heard the man preach. I don't know if they responded or not. I don't know if they heard what I heard. I don't know if they felt what I felt. But I felt God calling me, and I surrendered my life to Christ. And some of you can remember the time when you surrendered your life to Christ. If you've not surrendered your life to Christ, you probably know it. I can remember having conversations with my friends. Most of my friends went to school and went to church. And we we would talk about whether or not we were saved. And some of my friends said they were saved. And I'm thinking, well, we're not really living like we're saved. So we're kind of on the fence. We believe, but we don't really obey Christ. And so I wasn't sure. And then I was on the bus one day, and this guy comes up to me and pokes me right in the chest, and he says, I heard your brother at a church talking about Jesus. Are you a Christian like him? And everybody's kind of listening, waiting to laugh if I said yes. And I assured him, no, I'm not. I'm not. And from that time on, I knew whether or not I was saved or not. I knew. Because I had an opportunity to say Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and I refused to do it. I denied Christ. So I knew, and God allowed that to happen in my life so that I would know where I stood spiritually. And if you're here today, and you know where you stand spiritually, and you're not a follower of Christ, I'm going to invite you to follow Christ and surrender your life to Him. If you're here and you don't know, 
then just act as if you're not a follower and reach out to him and follow and obey him and put that to rest and move on to, as Amy said earlier, we are saved to serve. You know, we can't serve God and enjoy all the benefits of our salvation until we come to Christ and surrender our life to him. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. People who do not know Christ or understand the Christian faith might persecute believers. You know, if a person does not know Christ, they're either going to have two responses. Either they're going to hate Christians and hate everything about the Christian faith, because they know it, they understand it, and they simply don't want any part of it. Or they might be kind of passive, and they might just allow you, it's like what you do is your business, I'm going to do what I do. There's another group of people that I'd like to refer to as pre-Christian, because I'm fully convinced these people are on the road to salvation, they just don't know it. They are people who do not have a relationship with Christ, but for some reason they love Christians. I met a guy like that when I was teaching in Atlantic Shores down in Virginia Beach. His son was in my class, and they told me, they said, John is a great guy, Mark. You know, he, he's very helpful to the school. He gives, he helps out, but he'll tell you he's not a Christian. I was like, oh, okay. And they were right. John was one of the nicest, friendliest men I've ever met. He helped me start a little flag football league with the kids, and he would buy those kids Slurpees, and he got me this nice cowboy jersey so that we could live out our, our old childhood days. I had the cowboy jersey on, and he had the Steeler jersey on, and we were out there with these elementary kids playing quarterback, you know, the and going by these old men out there. One time John rolled out, and he was running, and he pulled something in his leg, and he pulled up like this, and the kids in my class did that for about two weeks, making fun of him. They would run out there and play football, and they'd pull their leg up and, and just start laughing. And he thought it was funny. He was a great guy. And, you know, he wasn't a Christian, but he loved Christians. You know, because I would talk to him, and he said, I'm just not ready. Eventually, you know, I think around in 2014, around the time that I had my heart surgery, you know, by then, John had given his life to Christ. And he was posting pictures on his Facebook of going to church and being part of a local church and, and reaching out to people and doing things for Christ. See, those people, and they say they're not saved, and they're nice to you as a Christian, I encourage you to just believe God that those people are going to come to Christ and pray for them and focus on them. But as you're going to see today, we don't give up on anybody. Because this man that we're talking about was hostile towards Christians. This man here, Saul, did not like Christians, did not agree with Christians, and he wanted to persecute Christians. So of those groups of people, we're not going to be afraid to pray for any of them. We're going to reach out and we're going to pray. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a special time of just prayer and response where I'm going to ask you to just pray for the most ungodly people that you know. Pray for you know, the people who you know who are not saved and who might even oppose the gospel, and then at the same time to pray for our country. You know, are we going to give up? Are we just going to lay down and give up and say, oh, this country's getting bad? 
Or are we going to get down on our knees and say, God, if you need to blind some people with your holy light, send some lights. You know, God, call some Marxists. Call some Muslims. Call some atheists. Call some people like you did Saul and draw them into the Christian faith. You know, call call some people and, and just pray for God to pour out his Holy Spirit. Because if God did it back then, he can do it today. You know, there's no one outside of the influence and possibility of becoming a Christian. But are we giving up or are we praying? Because I think somewhere out there was maybe some man or woman of faith who was praying for Saul. You know, maybe it was some people who knew Stephen. Because when Stephen, I think Stephen had something to do with this. What Paul stood at, you know, he stood over the dead body of Stephen. And his conscience had to deal with that. He saw that. And he probably saw it the rest of his life. He probably thought about it as a Christian. That, God forgive me for being so cold and callous and evil. Paul had to live with that. And that's why he talked so much about the grace of God. Because when you feel bad about your sin and about the mistakes you made, you're not going around judging people all the time. You're going around talking about how great God is and forgiving and loving. So Paul talked about the grace and the mercy of God. In fact, Paul said that God saved him to demonstrate how he could save anyone. And that's what we're praying today. We're praying that God will reach down and and save us if we're not saved. You know, save those of us who are not saved, motivate us, but also save those who are hostile towards the gospel. Save those that we think are taking our country in the wrong direction. Save the people who are saying things like, God didn't do this. We don't need God. You know, we're using science And I'm all for being logical and working through things and approaching things from the viewpoint of evidence and things like that. I'm not saying that we ignore any science if we're trying to solve a problem. We use math and science and and measurement to do things. uh, Some of us do it better than others, praise the Lord. But we use those, and we're not against that. We simply want people to be able to have their sins forgiven and have a relationship with Christ and fellowship together and encourage one another and grow in their Christian faith. That is the, we are not trying, I mean, if God calls you into politics, praise the Lord, you know, if the Lord called you, go. But you know, for many of us, we have no desire. We simply want to just worship Jesus and, and we're not into that. We're not trying to control people or tell them, how to vote or believe. We're trying to lead people to Christ so that the Lord can lead them and to uh, respect that. So people who do not know Christ or understand the Christian faith might persecute or oppose believers. God loves his enemies. God loves Marxists. God loves Muslims. Whoever you think is the last person in the world that you would want to be, God loves that person. God loves his enemies, and he reveals himself to those who persecute his followers. God revealed himself to me. I didn't persecute Christians, but I denied Christ. He revealed himself to me. I had other friends that were bullies and mean. You know, when Jesus revealed himself to them, 
They stop being a bully and stop being mean to Christians, and they start to follow and obey Christians. I had friends, and, and I had some of these characteristics that I introduced people that were friends of mine to things that were wrong. Some of you in this room, before you knew Christ, you taught other people how to do bad things. And when you came to Christ, God forgave you for that. And you regret that. As you regret doing that, turn that negative into a positive. Start leading people to follow and obey Christ. You know, when I became a Christian, it's like God said to me, just like you used to influence people to do bad things, now I want you to influence people and encourage people to do good things, to follow and obey Christ. Every negative in your life, God can turn into a positive. God can turn your weakness into your strength because he is a God of supernatural power. And I've been praying and I'm saying, Lord God, we need supernatural intervention. We need the supernatural. We can't do these things on our own. This world is in quite a mess. Young people are challenged today. There's racial conflict that I have never seen. God, we need you. We need supernatural miracles to occur in salvations and hearts being changed and forgiveness and reconciliation. All of these solutions that I see being put forth seem foolish. I don't see them working apart from God's grace. I don't see, I just do not feel that there's a good spirit towards men and women today. Do you? You look at the world, I mean, you, you turn on one channel and they hate another channel. And, and you, you walk away from it. There are people who don't have a clue what to believe. They're completely confused. We need a miracle from God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need some Pauls today. We need some Paulas. God can call a man or a woman. God reveals himself to his enemies through the preaching of the word of God, the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and supernatural means. There are men and women today in other countries who have dreams of Jesus. They have a supernatural dream of Jesus, and they come to Christ. We need that here. We need that in America. If there are documented cases of that going on, in other countries, we need to ask the Lord, Lord, we need that right here. We need all of the above. We need the word to be preached, but not everybody's going to come and listen to the word. We need people to share their faith, but not everybody's able to do that. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and we need supernatural intervention from God. We need the Lord God to reach out, and why not start on Main Street, and in Hosky, in Hertford County, in North Carolina, in the East Coast, in America, unto the world. We need supernatural help from God to reach people and to change hearts from hate to love. God reveals himself to his enemies to save them from their sins and allow them to serve him. Saved, being saved is not simply joining a church, going to a Wednesday night meal, and enjoying Southern Gospel. Being a Christian is more than that. That type of Christianity will not get the job done. I am sorry. But the churches that have this nominal type of Christianity, their young people are not going to be attracted to that apart from the grace of God. 
I'll be honest with you. When I got saved, I got saved in spite of the church. Because what I saw was a bunch of older people who were not that committed. And the people that I knew that were committed to things, unfortunately, were in cults and Marxism. They were radical. You know, people in cults were out knocking on doors and and just very radical about their faith. The church seemed very happy to dress up, go to church and eat fried chicken on Wednesday night and sing songs and fuss at me or anybody else who tried to use drums. You know, I'm telling you, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. You know, we need to be in love with Jesus. We need to truly have a relationship with him. And it's not the chicken or the music or anything that makes us Christians. It's a relationship. So the chicken's not bad. The hymns weren't bad. Well, some people might. But it just wasn't alive. We need young and old alive. We need more than the youth to be alive. We need to be alive. I need to be alive. I need to pray to God and ask for just a miracle. You know, a spiritual miracle. Whatever is a roadblock, whatever is difficult, whatever is a stumbling block in our lives, we need to ask God help us. We need to burn like Polycarp for passion and love for Christ. We need to fall in love with Jesus because the world is radical. So we have to be radical. If we're complacent and laissez-faire, they'll influence the minds of young people. And we will not. We will seem indifferent and more concerned about our bank accounts and our own affairs than we are about the souls and the ideas behind the Christian faith. We have to be surrendered to Christ and committed to Him and on fire for the Lord. And it's not easy. There's many challenges. And I recognize that. And I identify with you that it is hard to keep that fire burning. That's why we meet to encourage one another. And other people encourage us. I'm encouraged when people are sharing the gospel and and talking about the Lord and growing spiritually and overcoming sin. If we come to Christ and say we believe and live in sin and serve ourselves, it will not be a Christianity that has much impact on the world. Amen? We have to come to Christ and as He reveals Himself to us, serve Him and be delivered from our sin. Confess Him, forsake Him, and move forward. When God's enemies are saved and serve Him, it is a spiritual miracle. It is a miracle. And that's what we want to ask God for. If you believe in Jesus and follow and obey Him in this world, you are a spiritual miracle. And if you're going to grow and influence the world, you need the God of miracles. You need the great God of miracles to be mighty in your life. You need to be surrendered to Him so that He can influence you. We should pray for those who reject Christ and oppose the Christian message that God would reveal Himself to them resulting in their salvation. That should be the prayer of our heart. Every believer here today has a powerful testimony for those who oppose the gospel. You have a powerful testimony. Who you were before Christ is not who you are today. How Christ saved you was miraculous. How God is going to use you is unlimited. It's a blank check for you and I to write. 
The world has not yet seen what one man or woman can do who is fully surrendered to Christ. Will you and I be that man or woman? We can. It's not up to us. It's just a matter of surrender. Young or old, you know, male or female, God wants to use us and follow him. Respond in prayer and worship. This is my goal today, is that if you don't know Christ, you would come to Christ. Right there in your seat, up up here, however you're comfortable that you would surrender your life to Christ. If you have a need in your life, that you would come to Christ to meet that need. And if that is not where you're at today, if you are, if you feel good about your relationship with Christ, if you feel, you know what, I have a relationship with Christ, I want you to pray and intercede for the enemies of Christ that they would be saved in our country, that you might know. And then I want you to pray for a boldness to share your testimony with people. You know, I am writing down some names of people. I lost a friend um, that I knew fairly well about about a week and a half ago. And I wanted to go visit that friend. And I'd asked another friend about it, and he encouraged me to do it. And I just kind of dragged my feet on it. And what it was is, you know, when somebody's not doing well, it's kind of awkward, isn't it? When you meet somebody and they're not doing well, it's kind of awkward and it's uncomfortable to see someone that you care about in a really bad situation. Some of the people in here, you know, you're really good at that. You're blessed that when somebody's down, you step up even more. You love that person even more. And I'm inspired by that. That's an inspiration to me to see someone love someone that's in a tough situation. And I want to be more like that, you know. And I've, I've written down some people that I just feel like, you know, I need to share my testimony. I need to give them an opportunity to receive Christ and to make a bridge so that they could come into relationship with Christ. Maybe people that you've talked to in the past that didn't respond, that maybe now life has been a little tough. You know, they've had some tough times in life and maybe they're more open. That's where I'm at with this message. Because I'm preaching to myself as well. I need to pray for those people that I know that I will have boldness and compassion and not be afraid to to kind of get over myself and just share the gospel with them and reach out to them. And then I want to pray for the country, that there would be just a change, a spiritual awakening, a spiritual softening, and that mercy and love and, and peace and reconciliation would occur. And then today, I invite you if, you, if there are things in your life that you need to get right with the Lord, to get them right as we enter into this time of worship and response. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.